Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. So we thought uh, we would answer some more questions. Thank you guys so much for sending these into mombrainpod at gmail.com. We love to hear from you and love to hear what you're thinking about. Um, so these are some really good questions, mm, advice based and about food and sleep and discipline and all different kinds of things. So we'll see how many we can get through. Yay, Mommy! All right, so this is an email from um, Amanda. She says, love your podcast. I have three kids, eight, six, and three. And two and a half years ago, we switched to eating all organic due to some health issues from my middle child. Since switching, she's improved so much. Her symptoms have totally disappeared. We also see a natural health doctor. I stress out about food so much. They have to eat everything from home. They haven't been out to eat in a long time. And I almost feel like they're missing that restaurant experience. Uh, literally we eat everything from home. I attempt to make things at home that I feel like they might be missing out on. We really don't have restaurants where we live in upstate New York that serve organic food. My question for you is how strict are you with food? Should I be more relaxed and let them eat non-organic and not worry it will affect their health? Thanks for listening. Love, Amanda. Okay, so Amanda, I mean, this is obviously something that I think a lot about as a chef, as a mom, as someone who's lived in this health space for a while. I, I definitely am with you. I think the more you can put a preference for organic into your family's eating habits, the better because it does. It that I mean, the pesticides are real and they're present in our foods when when we're you know, not able to buy organic and and um and there are certainly ones that are worse and uh you know the dirty dozen they're mm-hmm. called and then the clean fifteen or the fifteen fruits and vegetables that if you need to buy something that's not organic, these are the ones that are the least likely to absorb pesticides and absorb things into them that you that you can't get rid of either by scrubbing the skins well or peeling them and things of that nature. Um, And those are easily uh, located online. But I would say this, I would say, you know, it sounds like you have an incredible, like you've worked really hard to make this something that your daughter clearly has seen improvement from and to make this a priority for your family. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so impressed and, and excited for you to have seen the results that you have and to have committed to this in a big way. And I, uh, and I also think that you're sensing something, which is that, you know, you want your kids to have had the experience of going out to eat and to have that fun as a family as well. And to limit some of the stress that it's clearly put on you to have everything being made from home. Um, and my personal belief is that, you know, a meal here and there that's not totally organic is, um, is is nurturing in other ways and and gives you a break, with which ex- I think with is the important. Experience and of it experience. as well. You know yeah. what? You know. So my at home, my my kids don't eat dairy. They'll eat a little bit of fish and a little bit of eggs, but they don't eat any other animal products. Um, and you know, people will say to me, "Wow, isn't that so hard when they go to birthday parties or you're out?" And what I always tell them is when they're out, they're allowed to make some other choices. Now, they, they don't go into the, the meat category um, yet, although I'm sure, you know, at some point, you know, they'll they'll be curious about that. But, you know, if it's a pizza party, um, you know, I let them have pizza. We usually peel the cheese off just because they, I, they end up getting so sick from it because their system isn't used to it. Um, but if it's cake and it has dairy in it or, you know, ice cream or any any of these things, you know, I, I love 
let them experience that because we have created these people, but they're their own beings and we need to allow them to have some experience within reason that will allow them to make their own choices. And and if they're curious about something, as long as it's safe, I let them try it. It doesn't have to always, you know, be organic or always we be within what we eat at home. And then I also focus on eating at home most of the time. So then you're creating babies with really strong systems. And when you have a strong system, you're able to fight off, you know, different things that come into your body that might not be the best for you. And you know what? If they have a reaction to it, which my kids do sometimes, you know, if they'll go to a party and they have some ice cream and then they have diarrhea and their tummy hurts afterwards, I'm like, and this is why we don't eat this at home. So I kind of point that experience out to them. Um, You know, but you, you let your, your, you're the mommy, let your gut be your, you know, your guide. And, um, and you know, the other thing I talk about with, with my students um, when they're interested in cleanses and stuff like that is I, I think about your system like a cup. And if you are constantly putting a bunch of junk into the cup and it's filled all the way to the brim, it's constantly spilling over into symptoms and symptoms and symptoms. For somebody who has a relatively healthy uh, healthy system, their cup is they're almost empty, if not empty. And then, you know, if you pour, you know, some sugar in there or something that's not organic or some, you know, not so great fats or, you know, any of the extra salt, any of these things, you know, they might not feel well for a little bit, but through eating well and through, you know, some sort of exercise that they might do and just living a healthy lifestyle, they will burn and they will evaporate that. Now, for somebody whose cup is full and you're interested in trying to create some a more healthy system for yourself, that's when you really need to limit. Take it down little by little, the cup will evaporate to the bottom. And then as you want, you can, you know, play around here and there. I mean, I'm somebody, I'm very healthy, but I will go. And if there's chocolate cake on the menu, I am going to order that chocolate cake 100%. I, you know, I'm a complete believer that it's what you do most of the time yes, that counts. Exactly. And I love that cup analogy. I think that's very true. And that I, that um, for kids especially, they they want to feel good. And I think on the one hand, their you know, their mouths are telling them and their eyes are telling them and advertisers are telling them, their friends are telling them that they should want to eat cookies and cake mm-hmm. and, and all these, you know, all the fun things in life. Um, but we know as adults, when you don't feel good from eating something, it becomes less and less alluring. And teach them that. And teach them that. You know, and let them open. see how good they feel on the kind of food that you're eating at home and, and that they don't feel as good on the way out uh, when, when they're, when they're you know, when they're, maybe they will feel good. Maybe they'll make great choices when they're out. But um, but I think I, I, you know, as someone who just finds food to be so exciting and thinks that I can explore and, and adventure and share that with my kids and have that be a huge part of how we bond as a family is that sort of sensory experience and sharing those traditions with each other. I don't want to rob them of that or give them neuroses around food. Um, but I also think that uh, that that letting them see that food at some level is fuel and that their machine as a body will run better on certain kinds. You are what you eat. And you are what you eat. Um, but it sounds like you have it so and, under control you know, and I'm my, so impressed with you, Amanda. My um, my brother's a macrobiotic nutritionist and my nephew grew up eating very well. But again, like, you know, he'll, he'll be able to eat whatever whatever he wants in certain settings. And when he was little, he talked to me about something called tricky foods. And tricky foods are foods that are very beautiful 
might be some candy or a really great like sundae or if you eat meat like a really like juicy burger but then what it's made out of is actually it's tricking you so it has like this like disguise and then but within it all the things that's made out of is yes. actually not so good and as it breaks down in your body it ends up being really ugly and so when he was like three years old he would describe these things for me and I just thought it was such a brilliant way of you know of explaining to children how yeah I know that that looks really good but what's underneath its disguise and you know teaching our kids not not just you know when are you hungry and when are you full and when do you need to drink more water mm -hmm. but also what food is made out of and it sounds like you're doing a great job at cooking at home and you know incorporating just that you know from from the recipe from scratch you're teaching your kids what food is made out of um, but you know as you go out you can talk about that as well and and to not be so tricked by by things that look you know deceivingly delicious <laughs> thanks Amanda so we got an email from Jamie and she says hi I really enjoy your new podcast congratulations thanks Jamie I am the mom of a one-year-old boy and I've been struggling with discipline. He is definitely starting to test boundaries and exert his independence, which I know is totally appropriate at his age. I obviously don't want him to be a brat, so I don't want to be too permissive. But I also realize that he's too young to, be, uh, to reason and to be firm. I'd love to know how you ladies have dealt with tantrums and what to correct and how to correct negative behavior. He's too young for timeouts, etc. Would love your input. Um, okay. Well, I feel like I'm still learning this one. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every kid needs something a little bit different. I mean, my um, I tried a lot of different things with Carmen. I think the first thing that you have to do, at least for what I did for myself, is I had to get over the shock that my like darling little like infant all of a sudden became a, like a, a baby monster that sleeps so angelically and looks so beautiful and everything. And then all of a sudden, like the fangs and the horns come out and you're just like, oh, my God, how is this? even possible so first realize that this again as you said totally normal your child will go through this um, and we try to do it as gracefully as possible so one of the one of the most important things that I learned is going to the saying about how it's not the battle it's the war so that being consistent is so important so I would say when Carmen started to go through this I would say like I would be like, we don't hit. We can't do that. Or no, don't spit in my face. I mean, all these things that you don't even know where they um, they get it from, but they're <laughs> so good at it. Um, Cartman was really good at like the Shakespearean spit. And it was just like, oh, my God, there's and you don't want to laugh because then you're then they'll do it more. Um, but I I would get very frustrated in the moment because I'd say, OK, well, I told you you can't do that. That's not OK. We don't do that. That whole kind of you know, the spiel that you hear so many moms do. And then she would do it again, even if she said, OK, OK, mommy, I'm sorry. One of those things. And then she would do it again. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We already went over this. We don't do that. You can't do that. And what I realized is with my frustration is that I wasn't giving her time for it to really sink in. And kids are very, like, you know, they're very curious. Okay, well, it wasn't okay to spit at him, but is it okay to spit at you? Or can I spit in the bedroom? Or can I spit in the kitchen? You know, all of these different things, they're curious and they don't know. You also have to have a respect for the animal instinct. 
of this just fighting for things, realizing, you know, new, newfound boundaries and, you know, ability to walk. You know, you have a one-year-old. They can walk now. They, are, they have all these great new words. They're constantly listening and they're like, yes, yes, more words. Bring it on. Going to put it <laughs> in my toolbox and I'm going to use this against you. Um, but Daphne, what have you found um, as your as your uh, go-tos with discipline? You know, I think um, something, it's funny, my mom and I were talking about this yesterday because, um, you know, my kids, my oldest is four and a half and John, our middle, is, has just turned three and um, our baby, who's almost one, is uh, too young to really be going into this phase yet. But, um, you know, with the older two, what I try not to do is give too much attention to negative behavior. Because to your point, they're constantly testing out new words and new techniques and new environments, and they're learning from everything. But at the end of the day, they really just kind of want you to notice them and want your attention. And if you give them, if they get more attention from doing bad things than they do from just either existing or doing good things or, um, or you know, being whatever they are, um, they're going to go back to that over and over again. So something that, you know, we'll, we will do, John, John's in like a throwing phase right now. And every once in a while, he actually clocks you because he's got really good aim and he's strong. And, um, and you know, I will, we're, we're, you know, learning facial expressions right now. We're learning emotions. And so I will put on my acting skills and I will just like weep. If he hits me with something and I'll be like, you really hurt mommy. But more than that, you really hurt my feelings. Like, why would you, you know, and, and quest, a lot of questions. Why, why did you throw it? Were you frustrated? Why were you frustrated? Do you need help with something? And it's, it's really giving them that opportunity to reason with their own. Cause it's fresh. I mean, they're doing that not because if they had a better way to express themselves. They would, they're, they're acting out because they don't know how to tell you. And at, you know, at a, at a tiny baby age, I need my diaper changed. I'm hungry. I'm whatever. So they just scream. And then and then that becomes the mental pathway that's paved. And they do that more and more as they get older to because they need more and more complex things that they can't put into words. So I've I've dealt with it by um, asking lots of questions, being very emotive about like we don't hit or we don't spit because it hurts me and it hurts my feelings and you don't want to make mommy hurt her feelings and you, you know, you don't want me, you don't want me to feel sad. Um, just like, I don't want you to feel sad, which is why I'm here trying to make you feel better. And, um, and that's been, that's been pretty effective for us. But I will say the difference between parenting, you know, uh, uh, my, my daughter Philomena has gotten very, she just is asserting her independence independence in many different ways than my son will. My son acts out physically. My daughter will just, you know, either ignore or not answer when I call her or um, or talk back and think it's really funny and cackle or use, you know, poopy language or whatever things that things that we're obviously trying to teach her not to do. But she thinks it's hilarious. And sometimes it is. And you try not to laugh as a parent. Um and I think that what we found with her has been and she's a little older and I think it's a little different than um is is it's not it's it's to set up the paradigm of like do you hear mommy say things like that you know do you hear daddy say things like that um and it's a little bit of that of that setting up this playing on their desire to fit in with the family and to fit in with you and your and your you know sort of unit the way that the way that you have it functioning and so you don't hear me talk like that you don't hear daddy talk like that because it's not it's they don't really understand polite, but it's not um, it's not nice. It doesn't make people feel good. And that's that's worked for us. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know what? We're going back to what you were saying about um, about being hurt by something showing the. I've heard multiple things about that. And again, I think it, I think 
it depends on your child. Like I definitely have experienced with my kids the hitting or throwing of something and then they laugh afterwards. Mm-hmm. Oh and, yeah, John and puts they're... on his little devilish grin and he's so cute and part of you wants to like laugh hysterically, but you can't. You're right, exactly. Yeah. No, but there, you, there is an element of needing to not show, I mean, if something really hurts, you need to show that it hurts, but you want to also not play that up too much, I think, at least with my kids, mm-hmm. because then there's a level of power. I mean, nothing is worse than hurting mommy, but then, you know, you see some kids well, that's where they have that level of power over you. And I'm, and again, I'm just, I'm riffing here, so we're, we're riffing, we're, this is this is the mom brain, we're like all coming together, yeah. we're, we're kind of, we're thinking about it. But I actually started going to um, a child psychologist recently to discuss this exact thing because you know Rafa and Leo are a little over 14 months apart and like the fights can be aggressive and real where it's like it's just like dogs where they like all of a sudden like they're playing nice side by side and then one person takes the toy or like does something that you don't even know what happens like and they like go at each other like hitting and biting and screaming and you literally have to like tear them apart have them sit down so what I've found is this. I found that making them sit down and I, I was so anti-timeout for a long time because I found that that didn't work well with Carmen. Um, and this act, this doctor, he actually told me that this is a really good way to do timeouts um, or this is a good instance for timeouts, which is put them down for like 30 seconds and make them sit down because all of a sudden sit down, no more toys, like any toy that's in their hand, I take it away. No toys. That means playtime is over. Mommy's really serious. You're not being safe with your hands. And the rule in this house, toddlers respect rules sometimes. But like eventually, like again, it's the war. Eventually it's like, okay, well, this is the rule. And then they'll start correcting everybody, by the way. Like that's not the rule. That's not what we do. (laughs) Um, So don't mess up, okay? Um, The is, you know, sit them down, take the toy away from them and say, you're not being safe in your hands with your hands. So you're going to have a timeout. And then you do it for 30 seconds. You don't leave. You don't abandon them. You sit with them while they have the timeout. And then you say, okay, are you ready to be safe with your hands? Sometimes the answer is no. And I say, okay, then we're going to sit here for a little bit longer. And eventually the answer turns to be yes. And if they go back to doing it, 100% of the time you have to do the same thing. Nope. We sit down time out you're not being safe that's not the rule and then and then we we proceed to do it and i find that little by little they start to get a little bit more aware to the point where literally i'll see like rafael raise his hand to leo and he thinks about it and then he puts his hand down you know and and seeing those places that self-restraint even with a three-year-old is pretty amazing um, so, I mean, I, you know, don't despair. Um, you really have to stay present for your kid and work with your kid with what to do. I mean, I think leading by example, you know, nonviolence, um, is very important. Um, your kids are going to follow in your footsteps. And I think changing the atmosphere can help a lot. And that could be simple as going into a different room together. Um, you know, breaking the cycle. If there's a if there's something that, you know, they've been really just riled up by something, um, you know, taking them to a new environment, playing music, uh, taking them outside. For, certainly for my son, I feel like being outside is one of the most critical ways to rebalance him if he's um, if he's going a little crazy. But we wish you lots of good luck and uh, know that you are not alone. This is a phase for every child. Every single child. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Jamie. And now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite thing. Yes! 
So my favorite thing right now is a mascara called Too Faced Better Than Sex. Now, you get to decide that for yourself. I think it depends a lot on what your situation is at home. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're not even going there. Um, I am definitely not going to comment on that for myself. Um, but they make really nice lashes. Um, and it's, you know, cruelty-free. I find that it washes off pretty easily, but, like, doesn't, you know, but it also is long-lasting. Um, I don't find that it, you know, clumps too much. Um, it's got a super sexy, like, rose-goldish bottle. Um and, um, and yeah, that is a quick favorite thing. That's really fun. I like that. So, okay. So my favorite thing this week is a belt. I don't own a lot of belts, which I am trying to correct for. I feel like it's, it's a really easy wardrobe upgrade and it can make, you know, an otherwise kind of basic look feel very put together. And I've been wearing this below the belt. I actually have been eyeing it and I love it. Well, thank you. <laughs> let's describe it. Can I okay. describe it? Yeah, please. It has two belt buckles one on each other side, just right, like right where that belt loop is, like on the other end, in the side of the middle. Okay, I didn't explain. You explain. I'm fine. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of a Western look, like they're big belt hoops, um, and we're gonna link to these so you can actually see exactly what I'm talking about. But the best part is, I find that the two the two belt um, buckles actually give this like illusion of waist narrowing which I really love and it means you can tighten it or loosen it so you can wear you know like a, a low rise jean with them or you can wear a dress that you want to sort of cinch right under the rib cage it's really um, really versatile that way they make them in a variety of different styles and looks and things with this particular blend I've been wearing with jeans and a basic tee or jeans and a silk top or blouse um, and I think that it it just has made a lot of my outfits feel collected when I got dressed in like five minutes. <laughs> and anything, honestly, that gives the illusion of a narrower waist I will take. So that is your favorite thing for this week, the below the belt belt. Um, I found it on Instagram also, which really? is always, yeah, I'm always very proud of myself when my Instagram shopping leads to like great finds. Um, so we will link to that for you. Thank you guys so much for listening to Mom Brain. We'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode for you. And in the meantime, um, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe to MomBrain. And of course, we love hearing from you. Send us your emails at mombrainpod at gmail.com. Bye, guys. Thank Until you. Until next time. This is MomBrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. MomBrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.